Just Our Real Estate, episode number 155. All right. Hey, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and I am thrilled to be with you today. If you're starting your day off with me, then I hope we get it off on the right foot. If you're ending your day with me, I hope it was a great day. And if we're somewhere around lunchtime, hey, hope it's been good so far, and I'm hoping to make it a little better after you listen to this and inspire you in your real estate investing business or your dream of being a real estate investor. That's what it's all about, right? Getting you going and just starting your your journey and your business off right. Okay, before we get started, I want to ask a quick favor. If you could go into iTunes at your convenience and give me a rating and review for the show, I would really appreciate it. It would mean a lot. That is probably one of the best things you can do to keep this show going and to really show your appreciation is to go in there. take It just takes a second. It's really quick. And give me a rating and review. Whatever you think the show warrants, that would be awesome. When you do that, it helps me reach more people. It makes me more visible in iTunes. iTunes absolutely loves shows that get a lot of ratings and ratings and reviews. So if you can do that, that would be a humongous boost and and a really appreciated gesture. And I would be super grateful if you did that. So take a minute and do that if you don't mind. If you haven't already done it, I would really appreciate it. Okay, on to the show. All right, thank you for joining me on another episode of Just Our Real Estate. I am super excited for a couple of reasons. I have a, a return guest on the show, and this is like a, a return return guest. This is an unprecedented three-peat, as they say. <laughs> it's a, the third time he's been on is Eric Tomei, good buddy of mine here uh, locally in Michigan. He is a house flipper and a super successful one. Uh, him and his partner just flip dozens of houses a year, and uh, they're just tearing it up here in Michigan. I've been fortunate to know him for, uh, I don't know, five or six years now, I think it's going on. So uh, that's why I have him on again. And what I decided to do for this particular interview, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Normally, I, it's fairly structured. I have questions that I've arranged beforehand. For this one, we're going to do a case study. And we're going to do a case study of one of the houses that Eric and his partner have flipped and sold recently. And we're going to get into the numbers, how they found it, how they marketed it, how they renovated it, all these things. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask him um, other than it's a case study. So I'm going to fire questions at him and I'm going to dig as deep into the details, the numbers, the finances, everything that he'll share with us, anything I can get out of him. And uh, if there's something I can't get out of him, I'll just badger him until I get it. So that's the plan for today. <laughs> so Eric, welcome to the show for an unprecedented third time. Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's it's a great um, honor to be here. And you know, like I was joking with you before we went on, I I, I feel like I need a just start real estate Emmy for being the first three time guest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is starting to be like one of those. Like I was just watching a special the other night on uh, Don Rickles, and the, he was on the Tonight Show. Like I don't know with Johnny Carson, like you know, a hundred times or something. Sure, right, so right. you're you're starting to become my Don Rickles of the Tonight Show. <laughs> like you're just gonna like you know we're gonna have you on all the time. It'll be like just come as you want. And you know, let me know if you want to drop in, kind of a thing. It'll be fun. 
hey, anything I can do to help. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, we're going to do this. And like I said, like I told the audience, I don't know anything about this property that you're about to present. I don't know the numbers. I don't know the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm going to learn right along with them. I'm going to fire questions off as I think of them as they make sense and try to ask the questions that I would want to know if I were listening. But the great thing and the great thing for the audience that they should understand is, you know, it's one thing to, to get on here and interview really inspiring, uh, you know, real estate investors like yourself and for me to get on here and talk about tactics and techniques and things that I do in my business but it's a whole nother thing to hear an actual deal with actual numbers and and hear all the things that went well and all the things that went poorly and you know learn from that the best way to learn in this business and really any business is experience and if you don't have the experience learning from other people's experience is the, the next best option so that's why I think this is going to be a super, super powerful interview. And like I said, I, I don't know the numbers, but I'm just going to keep badgering you until we get everything. <laughs> hey, fire away. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Okay. Uh, first of all, all right. So I, I, I kind of did an intro and I, we've done this. You've been on here a couple times. You're a house flipper. You're super successful. You have a partner here in Michigan that you guys uh, work together in your business and you're just kicking butt. So the, right for right now, that's all everyone is going to know. If you want to know more about Eric, uh, I will put in the show notes the last two episodes he was on, and you can go back and and if you want to listen to the long bio of him, he, he's just a butt kicker here in Michigan. So let's let's leave it at that, and let's talk about the property. Um, let's start from the beginning. Where sure. did you find it? How did you find it? Who brought it to you? Where'd you find it? Yeah, and that's that's a great question, uh, Mike. And you know that's that's really the 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 primary question that I get a lot of, um, you know, from other real estate investors, both here in the Metro Detroit area and um, out of state and out of the country. Where are you finding your properties? We this particular property that I'm going to present the case study on, we actually got it from one of our realtors who we've been working with for the last seven years. She has brought us properties on the buy side and she has certainly sold those properties when appropriate on the sell side. So we actually um, got that property from her. Now the relationship that we have from her, and this takes time to develop, we do have a, a good amount of trust in her. So we already have paperwork already ready to go with our signatures on it so that the transaction can be handled seamlessly and without hangups. Because as you know, in this area in Metro Detroit or any area in the United States, if you're not the first person to put that offer in, somebody's going to beat you to that offer. So we wanted to make sure that we really fine-tuned our system, even our paperwork system, to make sure that we would get any available property that our numbers put through sorry, that our numbers met the number test for us. So for us, because we had experienced losing dozens of houses because we didn't have our paperwork in order. And to me, that's just such a ridiculous way to lose a house. So we made sure that that was taken care of so that this property that I'm about to present could really come to fruition. Awesome. And that's a really good tip. I've mentioned it on the show before, but you know what? Frankly, this is episode 155, and I don't expect everyone to have listened to every single episode, but really good tip, really, really, really powerful tip um, for beginners is once you establish that relationship with a realtor and there's a level of trust, and don't do this day one, but you know, once you've done maybe a deal or two and there's some level of trust there, 
absolutely you should get pre-signed documents ready to roll. I mean, fill in everything that can be filled in beforehand. Uh, give them the power to sign for you. Uh, that's another a good way to do it if you can. Um, and then, yeah, that way when you find something, it's not like, okay, I'm going to send you the paperwork and, you know, initial every, you know, the 15 pages of, of the paperwork and, you know, right. all this other stuff. You have it ready to go so you can jump on it fast. And absolutely, if you're going through the MLS, guess what? You're not the only one looking at it. There's other investors looking at it. And if they're quicker, if they have pre-signed papers, they're going to get it. That's exactly right, Mike. And we did not want that to be the reason for us not getting a house. Now, if we got outbid on a house, okay, that's a different story. We did not want to do it because there was, we did not want to lose a house of something, of a paperwork snafu on our end. Okay, great. Now let's talk about where the house is. Now it, it's in Michigan, obviously, and not everyone, yeah. matter of fact, most people listening to this don't, doesn't, they don't know the area, right? They don't know Michigan, but let's just be general. Cause I'm personally curious, but let's try to talk in generalities, maybe as it relates to Detroit, since everyone knows Detroit, sure. Um, sure. Wh where was the property located? Yeah. And, and that's fine. There, this property, this particular property, Mike was an probably about an hour and 15 minutes Northeast of the city of Detroit. So you are talking a heavily suburban area. I mean, even if you go even 20 minutes outside of the city of Detroit, you're talking a heavy suburban area. So just to give your um, listeners kind of a feel for what Metro Detroit is all about, certainly not the city of Detroit, because again, that's not where we focus, but this particular property, again, probably about an hour and 15, hour and a half northeast of Detroit. Okay, what's the city? Uh, the city was Chesterfield Township. Oh, okay. Chesterfield. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, Chesterfield Township, which is more the east, um, the eastern part of Metro Detroit. Yep. Got it. That makes sense. Okay, Chesterfield Township. Um, all right. So let's um, let's talk numbers. What were they asking for the property? Sure. What they were originally asking for the property, they were originally asking $80,000 for the property. Of course, what we offered for the property, if I'm remembering correctly, because we bought this property on July the 17th, 2013, we bought, we initially offered, I believe it was 65000 Well, the great thing about it is, you know, as you know, when they counteroffer the property, you know they're at least willing to listen. I believe that their next counter was that they dropped down from 80 to 75. We moved up from 65 to 70, and we eventually settled on 72. So, in essence, we got $8,000 off of the asking price, but $7,000 more than we necessarily wanted to pay for it based on our initial offer of 65. Now, let me ask you this. You ran the numbers, obviously. So, what, yes. was, what was the most you would have paid at all? Like, what was the very top dollar? Was 72 the very top? Did it work? It obviously worked with your numbers because you bought it, but would you have paid more? Uh, we would have paid more. It would have worked. It would not have worked past eighty thousand dollars. Okay, so you got 80, an eight, 80, you got an eight thousand under your absolute highest correct. possible offer, or whatever. Yep, correct. And and eighty would have been really. And let me just be in all efforts of honesty. Eighty would have been really skimming the numbers. We would have had to really been sharp, and there could have been nothing going wrong with the rehab, which as you know, there's always something that goes wrong with the project. Eric, you just I have never had a flip where exactly where, 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 where no, I've never had a flip where anything went wrong. They all go perfectly for me. 
<laughs> Actually, we had a conversation right before we got on on, on the air here, which would tell you that that's not the case. I, we've, we've had, uh, yeah, we've had our share of issues in, in rehabs, but okay. All right. So you got it for 72. They agreed yep. to that. Um, okay. So let's move on to what, how, how was this being financed? What was the, the mode here for getting this house financed? Yep. We used a single, we used private money and we used a single investor who has financed, um, many of our properties in the past. Um, it was in a, it was in a, it was in a nice family sub. It was a three bedroom, one and a half bath house. It was 1,457 square feet and it was a tri-level. And I know, you know, Mike, especially in Metro Detroit and in probably other cities too, some people were a little squeamish about bi-levels, tri-levels, quad-levels. We really don't care because as long as the numbers work, we feel like somebody will buy the house based upon the quality of work that we will do inside the home. Right. So um, that's just the basics. It had a partially finished basement. It was built in 1983, so it definitely had like an 80s older, not updated look. I mean, it could have used a breath of fresh air inside cosmetically. Um, so those are those are just the basics in terms of you know the the parameters so it was again a nice looking house in a in a nice looking sub and for most of our investors because that's where they live in in nice looking houses and nice looking subs they're going to be more attracted to buying that house yep and, and let me take one step back because i actually skimmed over something pretty important i was going to ask you but it probably makes sense to ask you now what was the arv for this house what was the after repair value that you were calculating with yeah, and that's and Mike, that's a great question because that's ultimately what you are looking at when you are buying this property. We felt like at the time in July when we bought this property that we could sell this house for anywhere between one thirty and one thirty five. Okay, one thirty and one thirty five. Yeah. Okay. High, like high water one thirty five, but we would have still been okay at one thirty. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Good. That's a good good solid uh, deal. Now. I don't want to get too far ahead. I want to stick with the private investor for just a minute, but obviously sure. we need to talk about rehab, right? There's certain numbers that are extremely important. What you buy it for, what you're going to rehab for, what are yep. your holding costs, and then what are you going to sell for? So we're going to hit all of those things. Don't worry. But I do want to go back to the private investor for a minute. Okay, so you used a private investor. I think I heard you start to say that it was a single, like one person funded the whole thing. Yes, one person funded the whole thing. Um, uh it's it's easier in terms of us, uh, in terms of just dealing with one investor at a time, but we certainly would deal with multiple investors if that's what it came to. But this particular individual, our private investor, also likes to fund deals by himself because he doesn't like to necessarily partner with anybody on a deal. Gotcha. Okay. So now, um, this is where I start just drilling into the details and, and yeah. blowing, blowing right past like good etiquette. But what was the, what were the terms? What were you paying them? What were they expecting? How did you structure it? Yeah, we with this particular investor, we actually structured the deal. Um, it was a percent of the net equity that was agreed to, and actually, we had agreed on um, more a what our model was. Well, actually, it was a model that was developed by him that we agreed to because we liked it. Um, which is a is a very good thing for your listeners to know that you know sometimes investors do have good ideas that are a win win. For everybody, this particular situation was that case. It was it's a it's a sliding scale model based upon um, how much we net in the house. So, if we net, um, it, it, it went from anywhere from forty to fifty percent of that net equity, and um, the more that 
we made in the house are then the he got closer to 40 the the less that he made or the less that we made he got closer to 50 so okay. it was important that we cleared a certain number of net equity based on based on you know our numbers so it again going back to your ARV question it was so important that we had had the numbers um, right yeah. So. Okay, and that makes sense. So basically what he's trying to do with that sliding scale or she's trying to do, whoever it was, what they're trying to do is stabilize their returns, right? Absolutely. So whether whether you make, you know, all the money you think you're going to make or less, it doesn't really it kind of keeps him at a, at a at an equal, you know, level Correct. basically. Correct. Okay. Correct. Right. That makes yep. sense. That's cool. I mean, it's good that he or she suggested that and you and you, you know, you were like obviously smart enough to say, "Yeah, that sounds good" because yeah. Why not? I mean, if you believe what right. you're doing and you know your ARV is right and you, you have a sound method for rehabbing and you're staying on top of things, you, you should make what you think you're going to make, right? I mean, that's that's hey, you're sort of banking on your, your own abilities. Absolutely. We were completely confident in our numbers. We were completely confident on running our numbers, and he was confident in our numbers, and it was just a win-win. Okay. Absolutely. Perfect. Now, so the other key component here that we haven't talked about yet was rehab how much work did this thing need and what were your estimates and how did you come up with those estimates yeah and again for all new investors out there it is going to take time and energy for you to not only find a great contractor general contractor or subcontractors whatever it is but it's also going to take time for you as the investor to go into a house and ballpark you know how much it needs i mean mike you and i know we could go into a house and within probably five minutes, we could come within about $1,000 of how much that, that house probably needs. And we could be right on the money. But that's taken years of experience for each of us to do that. Right. You're not going to do that on house one. You might not even do that on house 10. So what we did was since we purchased the house for 72 with additional closing costs on the buy side, we estimated that it would cost $30,000 in rehab to complete the project the way we wanted to complete the project. We took our general contractor over during the seven-day inspection period that we had. We confirmed the numbers with him to make sure that we wouldn't, is 30 was the number. We all agreed to it, and then, uh, then we, were, we were ready. We were confident, and we were ready to roll after that. Okay, just give me give us a, a quick rundown of, of some of the things that you guys did to the house. What makes up sure. that $30,000? Yeah, sure. We had to um, do, typically, most of our houses, um, we are gutting the kitchen. What I mean by gutting the kitchen, so your listeners know that, is um, usually replacing the flooring, usually replacing the cabinetry and the countertops, putting stainless steel in um, appliances where necessary, putting granite in. Now, this particular area was not an area that we put granite in to the kitchen because the subdivision and the area did not require that we would do that and we did not think we would get our money back. So it's so important to know your area so that you don't overspend on your budget. Yeah. Um, we took the old cabinets and we just painted them because the cabinets were in fairly good shape. The appliances were awful, um, but we found some discounted appliances. Um, through some of our networking and our contacts to replace some of the unworkable appliances in the area. Um, we redid all of the bathrooms. Uh, we put new carpet and new paint throughout the whole house. We did some basement work. 
because there was um, a leak in the wall in, in, a, in the basement. So we didn't finish the basement. We just repaired what was going on in the basement. Um, we did some exterior work, um, some siding work, and just some freshening up outside. But what I mean by that is just landscaping, um, your basic curb appeal things. But um, it was a pretty straightforward nuts and bolts rehab. We did not have to do anything um, to the roof on this one. Um, we had to replace some windows, but not all of them. Um, so it was it was pretty straightforward. Okay, sounds good. Now. During the course of the rehab, anything come up? Anything unusual that you didn't expect get thrown at you? Well, you know, it's funny because real estate, it's its like the proverbial wild card. You know, it's like the buried treasure, only you're hoping the treasure is a pot of gold instead of a, you know, a pot of soggy potato chips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> soggy so, potato chips. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> um, there, there was a couple things that um, when we were going to nothing really actually stood out about the rehab in terms of it was a pretty clinical start to finish rehab but when we went to sell the house there were some issues some squeamish issues with the buyer that we had to address um, so in terms of the rehab itself uh, n nothing really stood out that was over and above you know uh, something that we would have to do. Sure. So. Okay. Okay. Well, now you're saying some squeamish issues. What What does that mean with the? With the yeah. Rehab? So let me go into that. So when we were done with the rehab, and this often happens when you go and sell a house, right? You need <laughs> your agent as the seller's agent needs to educate the buyer's realtor so that the buyer's realtor can educate the buyer that this is a rehabbed house. This is not a perfect house. This is a rehabbed turnkey house. There might still be some minor issues with the house that are unforeseen. For instance, stuff always comes up in an inspection. We always have a little punch list that the buyer wants taken care of, and we take care of all of those things within reason on that inspection list so that the buyer is happy. Two of the things that came up um, in, the, in the inspection report was, one, there was a, a small crack that we had repaired in the basement. We had had it repaired appropriately, and we had a warranty on it, and we verified all of the work that we had done. If we had not done our due diligence to do all of that, we would have had a hard time convincing the buyer or proving to the buyer that they weren't just we weren't just trying to cover up a, a foundational crack because anytime as you know Mike you know somebody says something about the foundation the buyers run away like it's the plague yep, so yep. that is not the case it was not a foundational crack in nature and thank God we had the paperwork to prove that so again doing your due diligence and documenting every single repair that you do so that you have a paper trail can really really be beneficial yeah, and it's you know it's kind of important to to mention, especially for new real estate investors, is you said that you know there's always a punch list after the buyers have their inspectors uh, go in and take a look at the house, because what are inspectors paid to find? They're paid to find problems. Exactly. So guess what they're right. going to find when they go into a house. So you know I, I've done rehabs where I'm just like you know what. We have replaced everything. Like this house is basically new, except you know the studs are, are the same. Like we've done everything possible to make this house new because it had a lot of problems. And then inspectors come through and inevitably they find something. So they're always going to find something. You shouldn't get too bent out of shape or you know like emotional about it. Just 
like like Eric said, you get that punch list. You know, they're paid to find things, and I'm not trying to devalue inspectors. I, I use inspectors from time to time, and I I know that they're they're definitely needed, but. I've gotten frustrated by some of the ticky tack things that investors, or I'm sorry, that in, in, in uh, inspectors have come back and said, you know, this needs to get fixed. But the bottom line is, you just you fix them because that's the thing to do, and you want to sell the house. And usually, you know, we're talking couple two, three, four, six hundred bucks, you know, worth of stuff. And it, you know, if that's going to keep you from making, you know, twenty thousand dollars, then I say uh, go ahead and spend a few extra, a couple hundred bucks that you weren't expecting because that you want to get the house sold. That's the bottom line. Well, and that's exactly it. There was another, you know, there was another thing we had um, done some minor, minor mold remediation um, up into the ceiling, also into the attic of this particular home. And of course, when the inspector went up, you know, piggybacking on this, the conversation that you just, or the statement that you were just talking about, they had found. Um, unbeknownst to even us, that there was also some mold remediation that needed to be done in the attic. So we had gone up there and said, okay, you know, look, we, we checked it. It was fine. We even put a mold test kit in there, and the mold test kit came back negative. Do you want to know what the mold really was? It what? was black paint. Oh, really? Now, could we convince the buyer that it was black paint? Absolutely not. Even though we had a mold t- test kit that we bought, it said it was negative. It was not good enough. So we ended up having to pay a special company that the, both the buyer and us agreed to to do the work. And it would come off of the sale price of the house. How much was it? <laughs> I want to know. I'm curious now. Well, you had me wrapped you know, into the story. I want to know how much it was. The cost of it, well, to me, was a complete ripoff. But if it went, if it, hey, if it sold the house, it sold the house. It was $3,200. Oh my gosh. Which you know, Mike, that that is almost highway robbery. Uh, but yeah. what our realtor did is that we originally listed this house when we sold it for 135000 So what she told me she was going to do was that she was going to bump up the price of the house and relist it. For one hundred and thirty-eight thousand, and convince the same buyer to pay for almost all of the mold remediation. <laughs> that really me. wasn't mold in the first place, so that it didn't come out of our pocket. Now, okay, and that did happen because we ended up selling the house for one hundred and thirty-eight thousand. We actually had to pay two hundred dollars for the mold remediation. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait! 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 So, all right, you had a buyer, and they yeah. had, you had an agreed on purchase agreement. Right, and then this mold thing came up, and you had to pay thirty two hundred dollars. So you backed out of the deal, like your realtor said they're they're gonna they're backing out. No, 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 it was not that at all. What had happened before, Mike, is we had lost three previous buyers because of this issue, and by the time buyer number four came, I told our realtor, "I'm like, we're not losing this buyer. We're going to get the deal done, and I don't care how we get it done." But I want to make sure that we get it done because I don't want to lose another buyer. So what she said is I told our realtor, I'm like, if you have a company that you are confident can do this mold remediation to the buyer's liking and the best of their ability, then you get a quote and we will have it done. As long as it's not an exorbitant amount of money, which, again, 
I almost shot myself in the foot because I, I thought that that was an exorbitant amount of money. But in the same sense, I almost didn't care because we really needed to sell the house. Right. Because right. again, you have a fiscal responsibility to to your investors to move that house as quick as possible and to get the best deal possible. Yep. So I said, Maria, that was the name of our realtor. I said, we are not not paying for all of this mold remediation, especially when we don't even believe it's mold, which was which was the kicker. Right. So she said, so her suggestion was, she's like, okay, we're gonna bump up, we're gonna bump up the you know the the price of the house. We're going to get them to re-accept it. And I, Mike, I thought it was nuts. I didn't think it would work in a million years. Lo and behold, she called me back the next day. We got a deal. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. I, I, Mike, honest to God, if you would have even told me, I mean, this situation was so screwy, I would have never, ever thought to do that until she suggested it. Well, But she got the deal done, <laughs> and, that's, and you know in real estate, that's all it's about. Is yeah, that, that, that's the first time I've ever heard anything like that before. That's pretty cool. And, and let me just say this to you, Mike, okay? Our original, the, the realtor who brought us this deal, okay, we have worked with through a lot of our deals in the past, but she was certainly not an expert in this area. So I did my due diligence in this area to make sure that I got what I thought in my mind was the best realtor to sell this house. And you know what? I think it was a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the proof's in so, the pudding, right? I mean, she came yeah. through. So she came through, absolutely. Okay, so I, we went through. Okay, so let's just. I'm going to recap a little bit here. So you 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 found this deal using a realtor that you yep. had been using for seven years. Um, yes. Okay, so high level of confidence. You had pre-signed forms and all that, so that's you. You were able to jump on it very very quickly. Yes. Um, what, just out of curiosity, was it a multiple like highest and best kind of a situation, or did they did you just made an offer and they started countering? You know, Mike, a lot of the a lot of the offers do go to highest and best, especially in this crazy market now. But I believe that that offer was just a counter back and forth, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay, okay. So, and the house is located in. It doesn't mean anything to most people listening to this, but it's in Chesterfield Township, which right. you and I know and you explained is a nice blue collar, you know, nice nice area. It's not not yeah. a bad area by any means. Yep. Um, it's a long way from Detroit for everyone else listening. It's nowhere near nowhere near Detroit, so That's it's not exactly. a Detroit house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they were asking eighty thousand dollars. That was their original asking price. You countered at sixty five. You originally settled on seventy two, which was it was definitely under what you would have paid if you know push came to shove. But you know it was as high as you know you were comfortable with seventy two. Basically, was what it boils Correct. down to. Correct. Um, Yes. The after repair value, which is critical, right? That's, I mean, to me, I tell everybody that asks and, and anytime I advise any new investors, really the number that you have to start with in a deal is the after repair value, right? It doesn't matter what, what they're asking, what you pay, what the rehab is. The first number you need to talk about and you need to really nail down is the ARV. So it's good. So you got the ARV was at 130 to 135. Then you start working backward from there with your rehab and the holding costs and the price to sell the house and what you're going to, you know, what you want to profit on the house, right? has to be taken out of that calculation. And that basically brought you down to what you paid for it. So that's good. You got it for what you wanted it for. It's a tri-level house, which, um, yeah, I have some experience. I actually, I bought a tri-level house years ago to live in. Don't live there anymore. Um, didn't really 
know why anybody wouldn't want a tri-level house until I lived in it, and, and I'm not a huge fan of them, but I, I'm with you. I think as long as you know the ARV, like it doesn't really matter if I like a tri-level or if you exactly. like a tri-level. If As long as exactly. tri-levels are selling in that neighborhood, right. you know, who cares? It's not You're not right. going to live there. Absolutely right. So that's just a matter of opinion. It's like saying I don't like you know yellow you know paint. Who cares if that's what everybody wants? Then you're, it's going to be yellow. So right. Um, okay. So okay. Got the ARV. It's a tri level, and then we got to the private investor discussion. And you're working with a private investor that you have been working with for some time. Uh, that individual was looking for, and what you agreed to was a percent of the net profit basically Correct. whatever the net net profit is just so people are aware it it's the profit that's there after you uh, pay back the initial purchase price and you take away the rehab cost and the cost to hold the property and any cost to sell the property basically at the end of the day every single thing that you spent on that property to get it from purchase to sell anything that's left over that's the net profit right i mean after you pay everybody exactly. off so and that that was done on a sliding scale somewhere. What do you know? What you ended up paying in terms of percentage wise? For, you know? I know. I knew you were going to ask that. That's okay if you don't. Like, I know it was between I, forty and fifty because that was your sliding scale. It was. Mike, I can tell you, it was closer to forty. Okay. It, it was. It was closer to forty. Right. I, Which means want, you guys say it was. I want to say it was like forty-two percent, but I, don't quote me a hundred percent on that because I, I just I cannot remember. Okay, that's fine. But the closer to forty meant. You you got closer to your targets, right? Or whatever Correct. you were gonna, whatever you know, what the deal was, and then uh, okay. Then we talked about the rehab for that particular house was thirty thousand dollars. So again, that's that's a number you plug in when you're running the numbers before you ever buy the house. You need to know all this, obviously. And thirty thousand is. Did you end up spending thirty thousand, or was it more? Yeah. So like when we purchased the house, it was seventy two. Obviously, as we reviewed and we asked for thirty, so our investor funded one hundred and two thousand. And um, we ended up we ended up using all of that, and we did actually go over by thirty one hundred. But the only reason we went over by thirty one hundred is because holding costs. Because we held the house, um, we bought it on July seventeenth, two thousand thirteen. We sold it on March twenty eighth of two thousand fourteen. So that's eight months and a and eleven days, if I'm doing my math correctly. So holding costs really did kill us. On that house, so yeah, yeah. And, and that's and that's you know that's part of the game. It's part of real estate. You know, I could sit here and blame it on the brutal winter we had, but you know what? It's really not the case. I mean, you know, we ran into some issues. Like I was telling you, I briefly mentioned, you know, to your listeners and, and yourself with the with you know buyers backing out because they were spooked out because of the mold, which really wasn't even mold. So. It, it really did affect it. And the longer it stayed on the market, as you know, the longer we had to pay snow removal, taxes, yep. in the whole nine yards. Yeah, and heat wasn't uh, cheap this past heat. winter. So Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I know what you mean. I, I had a house on the market during the winter time too, and it, it's yeah, it was it was a killer. But you know, those are the those are it's real estate, and, and exactly. to some to some extent, you you knew you were gonna have utilities. You just didn't expect to have them for eight months. That's all. Exactly. Okay. Right. So here's the big question, and I'm I'm assuming I'm sure that this is what everyone listening to this right now, especially the new guys and gals, are saying. This. Okay. We heard it all. We heard what you bought it for. What the rehab was. We heard you know percentage of net. Blah blah blah. What was the net? What was the, the at the end of the day? How much money did you make on this property? Yeah, and I, and I, 
that is exactly what everybody should be concerned about because that's exactly why you do these properties. So we sold this house for $138,000. Now we factor, just so that your listeners know, we factor 10% closing costs and commissions into every purchase price. So realistically on a $138,000 house, we would take $13,800 off for that right off the bat. Now you say closing costs and commissions. I know closing commissions you mean realtor commissions. Correct. Correct. And, and so all the incidentals for the closing, correct, like transfer correct. tax and all this. So to break it down, we figure about four percent in closing costs, three percent to the buyer's agent, three percent to the seller's agent to get a total of ten percent closing costs. Yep. Just some very rough numbers that we use. It should have cost us thirteen thousand eight hundred dollars to close, roughly using ten percent of you know our contract price, which was one hundred thirty-eight thousand. We sold the house for. We actually spent fourteen thousand one hundred thirty-six dollars in closing costs. So okay. we had. Um, $123,364,000 that we had left. We certainly had to pay our, um, realist, our investor back the 102000 And then, of course, we had an overage of about 3100 So total net, drumroll please, we made $17,741 on the house. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's a very solid deal, right? Nothing wrong with yeah. that. You do that all day long and, you know twice a week if you could right that's, that's you know like yeah you know honestly if i was like using you know i love baseball if i was using a baseball analogy i would say that it's a solid like double i wouldn't call it i wouldn't call it a home run by any stretch i wouldn't say it was you know skimpy but i would call it a, i would call it a double yeah I, I agree with you i think that's a that's a pretty solid deal um and I think, you know, for most people who don't, you know, live in Michigan, and I have a lot of listeners in California and they hear that. And I think they would like think that that's great, right? You bought a, are you kidding me? You bought a house for $72,000 and made $17,000 on it. I mean, that's, those are good numbers, I think, no matter, you know, no matter how you play this game and no matter how you do this business. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, that's really what we do our due diligence on so carefully is because if we are taking, or if we are, I guess, entrusting the investor with their money, we want to make sure that we treat their money like we treat our money. So there's a fiscal responsibility that you have to have to these investors um, because, again, you're dealing with somebody else's money, and that's of primary importance to us. So we only want – and we've said, we say no to deals, Mike. I know you know this all the time because sure. they just don't meet our criteria. We knew this one would. Yep, I agree. And I, like I said, it's it's a solid deal. There's there's, you know, that's a win in my book all day long, so. Yeah. Awesome. So. Okay, so that was a house you did uh you bought it back in July. You think you sold it you said this past March. Correct. Um what is a typical timeline for your for your rehabs? What, how long on average do they take from start to finish? Yeah, you know, Mike, it's funny because our rehabs itself, depending on the size of the property, they don't really take that long. I mean, some take six weeks, some can take 10 weeks. That's really the average from the time that we close on the house to buy it. Um, what we're really running into is the drag time of how long it's on the market. And that's the one thing as the real estate investor that you want to make sure that you know, if you're presenting a property to a prospective investor, that you have a plan, a marketing plan to make sure that this house gets marketed. And if it's not with a realtor who knows what they're doing, 
then you need to find a realtor who knows what they're doing. Yep, absolutely. Now, when you say they're on the market, like that's your that's the real hurdle that you're dealing with. Are you getting a lot of lowball offers that you just aren't aren't taking, or is it, are the offers even coming in very sparsely? Um, I would say honestly, we have both. Actually, to be honest, we have had some very lowball offers, and we have had some offers that have come in pretty sparsely on this particular property, Mike. We had no problems getting offers for full price. I can tell you that. And and even some above asking. So this house, no problem. But you know, Mike, I I take that. I look at that and I go back to the realtor. They had confidence in their plan. They said, we're not going to have a problem selling this house at this price. Boom, boom, boom. And they delivered. Yeah, right. And, And that was it. So, so, the, so the eight months was a product of some mold that, which really wasn't mold. I mean, that, that's frustrating. You're getting full price offers, but it still takes a while to sell. Exactly, exactly. So honestly, the eight months was a, a little bit of an outlier for us. Right. That's not our typical time. Safely, we can five and a half to six months is more is more our wheelhouse is right. is, we're, is what we're used to and accustomed to. Okay. So makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Awesome. Is there anything else about this house that you want to share or anything else you want to, you want to let everyone know about uh, your business or anything you have going on? Uh, you know, the, the great thing about um, this house and some of our other houses is, you know, what I would just impart to all your listeners is we just didn't give up with this house. Sometimes you're not going to get on the first buyer. Sometimes you're not going to get on the second or the third. Sometimes you'll get it on the fourth or the fifth. It can be a long process to get to the closing table, but you will get to the closing table. You just have to come up with creative solutions, creative out-of-the-box solutions, just like our realtor did to sell this house. So never, ever discount that in terms of selling a house because there's always a way to buy a house and there's always a way to sell a house. Awesome. I love it, man. Well, listen, how can people get a hold if they want to get a hold of you? What email, website, what, what is the best way? Sure, absolutely. Um, my email address is the best way to get a hold of me, and that is my name. It's Eric Tomei, E-R-I-C-T-O-M-E-I at gmail.com. If you'd like to see any of our work, we have um, a Facebook page called Michigan Property Investors. It has all of our before and after picks for every single one of our properties dating back to 2000, I believe, seven, but it could be 2008. Um, and I would be more than happy um, to answer any other questions in further detail um, from that. Okay, awesome, man. Well, I pre- listen. I appreciate the time uh, to break it down, talk about your business, give us the numbers. I mean, you didn't shy away from any of my questions, which is good. I didn't have to badger you like I promised I would at the beginning. So <laughs> that's always that's always you know because I would just I would just I would badger you after we got off the air too if you didn't tell me. You know I would. I would be texting you immediately and saying, "Hey man, why'd you hold back on that one?" Well, I would expect that too because you know what? That's how that's how learning takes place. Exactly. If you're withholding some of the the information, it's not going to do anybody any good. Everybody can learn something from somebody. Yep, absolutely. The good, the bad. Yeah, and really, it's, you learn a lot from the bad. Really, that's. I mean, the biggest growth comes when when the biggest disasters come. I, you know, it's that's always is like a good learning experience. And if people can uh, can grow and learn from something you or I do wrong that we share perfect exactly you only you want people to be so successful that they never ever replicate or duplicate any mistakes that you've ever made you got it all right man well listen i appreciate your time i appreciate your candor and uh who knows maybe there'll be a four p we'll see 
Hey, if I'm the, if I can be still in line for the Emmy, I'm all good, my friend. All right, man, you got the Emmy. Well, it has to go to you, right? It's like it's like a lifetime achievement award already. You've been on more than anybody else, so you you're running away with it at this point. Anytime you want me to come back on to talk about real estate, anything I can do to educate um, your your loyal following and your listeners. Uh, you know, I would I would more than welcome the opportunity to do so because honestly, what you're doing is so important to so many people. You don't really know who's listening and whose life you're really changing. Awesome, I appreciate that. And like you said, go check them out, Eric Tomei at gmail.com. and on Facebook, it's Michigan Property Investors. Go uh, take a look and see what these guys do. I know they do great work. I've seen their properties, so there's a lot to be learned there. Go in and check them out and. Uh, and see what they're up to. All right, Eric, I appreciate it, and I will talk to you next time, buddy. Thanks so much, Mike. I so appreciate the opportunity to be on again. All right, bud, we'll talk to you. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Okay, guys, one last thing before you go. I'd like to ask you a favor. I'd like you to think about the one thing in your business that you struggle with, something that you really need help with, something that you think I might be able to help you get past, a hurdle, a question, just something that plagues you when you're trying to move forward in your business, and let me know what it is. Shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com and put the subject line help and tell me what it is that's keeping you from taking the next step, that's keeping you from propelling your business forward or what's keeping you from getting started. What piece of information, what what thing is, is sort of holding you back from doing what you wanna do in this business? I really wanna know, I really wanna create solutions for your problems and I can only do that if you tell me what your problems are, I truly want to help. Please send me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com. Subject, help, and let me know what it is that's holding you back. Until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. 